And then they had to like do a little something, something <laughs> to get him to calm down. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then she freaking teleports. I was like, that is the I funniest know. thing I've ever seen. I guess it was that good. <laughs> some girls see star- stars, some girls teleport. <laughs> Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is our resident fantasy and romance expert, Sierra Marshall. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode. My goal is to have you read these books with us so you can participate in every conversation. At the beginning of each month, I outline the books we will be reviewing, so whether you want to read one, none, or all of them, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to no matter how you like your books. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week, we read the second book in the Crescent City series, House of Sky and Breath by Sarah J. Mass. Welcome, Sierra, uh, to another episode of Red Wine Reads. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I decided... Because you put it so well last time that the rosé reminds you so much of Bryce that I decided to get a glass of rosé myself for this episode. Oh, yes. (laughs) Do you have any drinks with you? I do not today. I will have a drink on here eventually, I swear. It's also like only, I think, like three o'clock for me here. Watch me. I will have a drink next time. I'm holding you to it. I'm holding you to it. So this week we read Crescent City Series Book 2. House of Sky and Breath. There she is. Lovely photo on the front. So this is by Sarah J. Mass. This is the second book. If you haven't listened to our first episode of that House of Earth and Blood, you got to go listen to that one first. But this hefty little fella, little 800 page book. I don't know if she did it again. How does she do it? I know. She does it every time. <laughs> this is my jam. Like I've said before, I'll say it again. This is my jam. And I have not read a book of hers that I didn't like. So. So there we are. Honestly, like I, in our last episode, we kind of went over who Sarah J. Mass is, kind of why she's famous, what she's done. So she's the author of the Actar series. And if you haven't read those, that's a young adult series that also is getting a little bit under fire right now for being a little too spicy for the young adult crowd. I read this article because I'm in Richmond, Virginia, and they were like, Virginia schools are trying to ban this book from the library. (laughs) And you know what's really funny? I think the one that they were trying to ban is not even the spiciest one of all of them. And it's kind of like, guys, if you're gonna ban one of her books, like, please do your research. (laughs) Also, like, listen, I mean, why control what kids were reading? I think I the first smutty book I ever read, I was in middle school and I found it at our library in, at my middle school. So please. Yeah. Grow up. And kids are going to read what they're going to read. Just, you know, sandwich the two Sarah J. Mass books and, and put a little like sex education book right in the middle there. And then you're fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That, 
You're good. You're good. That's perfect. That's just the that's the perfect combination right there. <laughs> so she is just a famous author for writing fantasy. A lot of her themes that she tends to write about are very strong female leads kind of coming into their own power. She's just good. <laughs> if you want to learn more about her, you can go back to our first episode. I talk a little bit more, but I feel like we don't need to beat a dead horse. And then the same characters pretty much. We have a little bit more from Ethan, who is the youngest of the wolf pack that Danica was in, and he became kind of a lone wolf, and he was Connor's younger brother. If you remember from the first book, Connor was the romantic interest of Bryce right at the beginning, and then he was killed in the attacks that killed Danica as well. So Ethan kind of comes into play a little bit more in this book, and so does Therion, uh, the mer. Our mermail. <laughs> Our mermail. <laughs> Love it. And that, I mean, and then you have the hind. We have Baxian. Ba- yep, Baxian. Or Baxian. I don't know. I said Baxian. Okay, I said Baxian too. Okay. If we're wrong, please let us please know. Please let us know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just what you get. It's what you get when you get us for free. Sweet. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get more into it as we kind of talk about the book, because as you know, we can't really squeeze 800 pages of awesomeness into a 40-minute episode, but we'll try our best. We're trying our best. Just a little bit. I'll give a quick summary just from the inside of the book so you can get a little taste of what this book is about. So Bryce Quinlan and Hunt Athelar are trying to get back to normal. They may have saved Crescent City, but with so much upheaval in their lives lately, they mostly want a chance to relax, slow down, figure out what the future holds. The Asteri have kept their word so far, but leaving Bryce and Hunt alone. But with the rebels chipping away at the Asteri's power, the threat the rulers pose is growing. As Bryce, Hunt, and their friends get pulled into the rebels' plans, the choice becomes clear. Stay silent while others are oppressed, or fight for what's right. And they've never been very good at staying silent. In this sexy, action-packed sequel to the number one New York Times bestseller, House of Earth and Blood, Sarah J. Mass weaves a captivating story of a world about to explode and the people who will do anything to save it. Yay. Love it. <laughs> Yay. There it is. Oh, we forgot Cormac too. I think that was oh, his yeah. name. Cormac, right? The cousin. Yep, the cousin of uh, Rune and Bryce. It was funny when I was listening to the audio, I listened to a little bit of it on audio and they voiced Cormac as Irish. Oh. Which I thought was funny. That's interesting. I didn't even think and I of thought that. It fit. I could see that because he isn't from, he isn't from the Crescent City. Yeah. And so they did a little like Irish accent. So then from there on, I was reading it in my head with a little bit of an Irish accent. <laughs> Cute. I definitely gave him like a lower. Mine was American for sure, but I also am American reading this. So, but I've heard other people are like, when they read this, there's one like particular TikToker and she's like, oh, I imagine Bryce is like a New Yorker. And I was like, you know what? Yes, me too. Yeah. Oh, I could see that. Well, and in the audio, they gave Flynn a little bit of a Southern accent. So weird, but I like it. I know. It's just funny. But it makes sense because Flynn's the one who has like a wealthier family, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that makes sense if you give him like a, a Georgian draw. Yeah. No, it, it does make sense. It's just funny. Like, I just like never even thought to change that up. And then when I was listening, I was like, oh. That's fun. <laughs> so I, I want to I wanna hit you right off the bat with a question. All right. Uh, what are your thoughts? So this book compared to the first book, do you have a favorite? I love both of them. Mm-hmm. But I did love that I got to see, we got to see a lot more about Rune, which I thought was really interesting. And 
love him now. Like, oh my gosh, such a cutie getting his little fling on the page. I don't have a favorite, but I could not put either of them down. So I Uh loved them both. Don't have a favorite. Would give this. I can't choose. It's like, who's your favorite child? (laughs) They're both great. I know. Yeah, I feel like I have to agree. I feel like this one was a little bit more dense. There was a lot more going on. And because of that, it was right. It was great. But it also was like, if if I left the book down, like if I put the book down for too long of a period, I picked it back up. And then I'm like, Oh, crap, who's that? Mm -hmm. Who's this? (laughs) Why is she important? Why? Like, why do I need to know about this? So it would take a little bit more of a brain power to get back into it. But overall, this had much more like action and much more sex and much more just like Mm -hmm. overall stuff in it. And that's what I liked about it. Yeah. (laughs) So I think, I think this one like edged out the first one for me just a little bit, but just, just a minuscule little tiny bit. Yeah. I think for me, it was like, once I got to the last like a hundred or so pages, I was like, I, I have to finish this. Like there's no stopping. Like I need to know what's going on. I was going to say, I think especially like the last hundred and 50-ish pages, that's what sealed the deal for me. But I think for me, Mm -hmm. one of the big things was I feel like the last one... I felt more murder mystery-ish. This one, I mean, it still continues with the mystery, but there's a lot more at stake Mm -hmm. in this one. Whereas like last one, I feel like, yes, a lot was at stake, but I feel like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other key players in this and maybe not all is at stake for Bryce, which I think it definitely is, especially once you get towards the end of the book. But Mm. a lot of other people are kind of brought into their mess. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that part of it too. Yeah, I think I feel like we like can split this book up into a couple sections. So you kind of have that first section where Mm -hmm. you have Bryce and Hunt kind of trying to live a somewhat normal life that you can being, you know, the shadow of death and this new like found um, princess of the Fae. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Then you have Therion who is trying to search for this lost boy Mm -hmm. who they believe to have this really rare power. Right. And so then he kind of comes to hunt and Bryce and then they're trying to figure out, find this kid. So you kind of have that beginning section that is just them trying to find this kid who they believe to have Thunderbird powers. So these really like crazy rare powers because his sister, this kid, I said Emil. Is that how you pronounced it? Yeah, I think so. I'm terrible with names, but yes, I think you're right. I'm going to, we're just going to keep going with that if I got that wrong. Sorry. But uh, <laughs> you have Emil and his sister, Sophie. Sophie is a Thunderbird and she was, you know, working with the rebels and trying to kind of unearth mm-hmm. these secrets of the Asteri. So they wanted her dead. Mm -hmm. And then they also want the little brother dead because they're afraid that she shared some information with him and he could be deadly as well. And so I feel like you have that section. And then they find the kid. Mm -hmm. Bryce ends up giving the kid to her parents, (laughs) which I love. (laughs) I love that. To her mom and stepdad. And then it's like, okay, well, they did that. Great. And then they're like, oh, no, we're going to try to figure out why Danica and Sophie were friends. (laughs) And so they go on this whole other journey to try to figure out that. (laughs) And it just leads. It's just like Mm -hmm. that whole section of them uncovering bit by bit. And then in the last hundred pages where they realize that the Asteri is literally draining power from its people and have like conquered multiple worlds. I like physically gasped out loud. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Me too. 
I I was sitting in my room and my sister was actually like outside in the other room. And I was like, oh my God. And she came in and she was like, what is going on? And I was like, don't, <laughs> don't worry about it. Just go away. Go away. I have to finish this book. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was, I was absolutely flabbergasted when I found that out. And uh-huh. the draining part was like, oh, I thought it was only the underking. And then you find out, no. They're all doing it. And like, you guys are being farmed. Yeah. Well, like, great. and I think like the thing that like blew my mind was the fact that there were just all these other worlds that they were just bringing to this one world. And then it's because like, in my head, I was like, how do all these mm-hmm. creatures kind of end up in one place together? Right. And it's kind of cool that like Sarah J. Mass was able to like create a world outside of a world to like make sense of the world that you're viewing. (laughs) That was crazy. And then I think the other part that I audibly gasped at was when they found Hypaxia and what's her name in the closet? Celestinia, I think. Yeah, Celestinia. Anyways, but they found those two in the closet. I had suspicions, but I didn't think that those two were together. Yeah. I like... No, I didn't think they were together either. I thought Hypaxia and like Therion maybe had a thing. Yes. And then I was like, I was like, maybe those are the secret lovers. And then that one was just like, what? (laughs) Ah. Yes, I totally agree. I was so floored when they found each other in the closet and then Hunt already had his glowing eye thing going on, ready to snap the crap out of anyone. But... Also, that part like really killed me too when the other Murr found Hunt. Well, they found the whole group, but Hunt was specifically like in territorial fae male mode. Yeah. And he was ready to like zap anyone. And then they had to like do a little something, something <laughs> to get him to calm down. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then she freaking teleports. I was like, that is the I funniest know. thing I've ever seen. I guess it was that good. <laughs> some girls see star- stars, some girls teleport. <laughs> I feel like before this book, I viewed facial piercings as like, meh. Oh. And now I view a lip ring as like, oh, dear God. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Listen. How can one thing be so sexy? How can something so small be so sexy? I know. And like, I was even thinking that when, uh, first of all, Rune Dannon is a gentleman. Uh Also, though, like when he when he and Day finally got together, that for me, it was like, Yes, this is so hot. Are you joking me? Of course, all of Hunt's and Bryce's stuff, sexy. So sexy. But something about Rune, he is just very, very hot. Yes. Oh, 100%. Oh my gosh. I can't. <laughs> did, so I guess going off of day, did you suspect that that was going to be the hind? I think I knew a little bit before he was trying to meet Day Agent Daybreak at the fountain. Mm-hmm. I kind of knew the second she was having sex with someone and she wasn't like enjoying it because he liked it rough. I was kind of like, this is already a pre-established couple. Mm-hmm. Like it has to be a pre-established couple. I don't believe that it's not a pre-established couple, you know? Yep. So then my mind got to thinking like, who's a pre-established couple that we've heard about already in this book. And then I was like, oh, and they have commented on the book how he is very rough with her and they're like super noisy and all this stuff. And so I think I started to suspect, not to mention she could get high profile information. Mm. So my mind started going towards that. But then what kind of threw me off was when... She was talking to him and Rune got the idea that she was locked up. And then I was like, oh, 
Well, the hind wouldn't be locked up, though. Yeah. So I was like, maybe it's not her. But I was right. So So trust your gut. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But also, it kind of made me sad when Rune saw her and, like, realized that then he had talked about how he was putting up walls and like putting up blocks in his mind Mm -hmm. and that is heartbreaking if they're fighting and they're putting up mental blocks for each other and even though she had tried to help out and it made me so sad I was like wait but you said she wouldn't judge her and you wouldn't care I know she doesn't have a choice I know and it's like also you're also on kind of ruined side where you're like yeah she has killed quite a few people in a very brutal way. <laughs> well, that was my thought when they met at the fountain and it kind of confirmed it for me before I got the doubt. Mm-hmm. But then he said that he saw the hind like on the staircase too. Yeah. Or like on the balcony or something like that, watching them. Yeah. And then that for me, it was like, oh, it's her. And like they kind of had the discussion of he was really hoping it wasn't her. And, but he also kind of gave the illusion like he wouldn't care if it was her, you know. And then you find out it is the hind. You're just kind of like, you said. <laughs> You said you wouldn't judge her. You said. She did what she had to do. She's trying to get information. Like, it takes a lot to be that deep in it. Yeah. And be a double agent. Well, and I think that was so fun with this book, too, is everyone felt like a double agent. Mm-hmm. Everyone had two identities that they were, like, trying to juggle. That's so true. And every single time, you're like, oh, my God, that person's now a rebel. Oh, my gosh. And then when they revealed that Baxian was freaking Danica's mate, I was like, what? Yes, I died. I was shook. Poor Bryce, dude. She cannot get a break with how many lies Danica has told her. And I guess that wasn't necessarily a lie, but omitting the truth, mm-hmm. not telling your best friend. Poor Bryce keeps finding out bombshell after bombshell after bombshell. It is so tough. And then that, her, that Danica's dad was, uh, I want to say Morbius, and I know that's totally not right, but... <laughs> is it Mordok? Mordok. Mordok? Yep. Like I said, so many characters. Gotta keep track of them all. (laughs) And then um, I think another part that confused me up until the hind was like recapping it Mm -hmm. was the whole scene of them on that. I think it was like the island. And then they like blew up a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And then they were trying to escape. And then the like hind and her people came and like cornered them and then she threw the rock in the water Mm -hmm. and I thought that that was like a genius way to kind of tie it back together because at first when I first read that I think I was just like confused about I'm like well well, where'd they come from and then they were over here and now they're in the water and now they're over (laughs) I was like Mm -hmm. getting so lost but then when we like recapped it I was like oh that makes sense (laughs) yes I get it now yes because I was like that makes zero sense that they can't see the light and then (laughs) I was just like whatever (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I I thought that was good. And then I thought it was good that you kind of give Therion like almost a way out. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, he goes to the freaking Viper Queen and sells his soul. Okay, with that, again, if you've read any of Sarah J. Mass's books, what he did was a blood oath. And she didn't necessarily like spell it out in the book, but finding out now that pretty much everyone is a type of fae and they have magic that has now like bound him to the serpent queen and if he disobeys her like if you disobey your blood oath you will die 
So I was very interested in that. And I was interested that they didn't like necessarily call it a blood oath, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how that all will play in and what role the Serpent Queen actually has in everything. Because now not only does she have Therion, Mm -hmm. she has the dragon as well. I'm just like trying to puzzle together like what's going to happen in the next book and how this will contribute Mm -hmm. to their journey. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. And so let's like, let's dive a little bit deeper into the ending because dear God. Yes. um, I screamed. I was like, there's not enough pages for this to resolve itself. I'm getting a little worried. <laughs> Lo and behold, I was right. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, gosh. So so when when Bryce like jumped through the gate. Yes. And when she said like the line that she didn't go down, she went sideways. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> she's she's gone to a different world. Uh, like what what were you thinking when that whole stuff went down? With Hunt and with Bryce, what were you thinking? What was going through your head when you were reading this? So when they were in the, like, courtroom, I guess, the Asteri courtroom, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen. Okay, I did spoil it for myself. I knew that eventually she'd end up somewhere with these characters in a different place. I thought it was going to be more of a projection, if that makes sense. So when they started kind of talking and she was, like, kind of thinking out the stuff and... The hind had like whispered in her ear and then brought her into the courtroom because she had to. And then Hunt was whispering a plan into her ear. And then she went to Rune and Rune was talking about the plan. I didn't think it was for her to get away. I thought it was for some other like giant power kind of move. And then that they were going to destroy because she said if everyone knew that we could easily destroy you guys by just destroying what's under this temple like slash thing Mm -hmm. that's what i thought was going to happen i thought there was going to be like giant electricity destroy everything and like see where it goes from there but the fact that she they were like you have to run no (laughs) because i my constant worry is that she's gonna kill off hunt or rune because it's bryce's story sorry it's essentially bryce's story right it's like really i was so worried that they were going to kill Hunt. And I'm still so worried because... I know! I don't know what it means when he was like, everything went black or white or something like that. I know he's not dead because that was somewhat confirmed by Declan mm-hmm. when he was talking to Ethan. I think it was Declan on the phone. Or no, Finn was on the phone. No, I think he's going to lose all of his memory. I think he's not going to... Yeah, because it goes, if the Asteri believed the sound of his suffering might carry through the gate and into hell itself where Bryce could hear him, then Hunt knew nothing at all. So I think they wiped his memory. There's like a favorite TV show of mine, if you've ever watched Uh Chuck. And it ends... This is also a spoiler for that. His wife loses her memory. So this is just giving me PTSD, like flashbacks to that. And it was never like really resolved either. And so I'm just here worried that she's going to come back with like an army and Hunt will like have absolutely forgotten who she is. Oh, that's my least favorite trope. That is my least favorite trope. I hate that. It's so frustrating. How do you fix that? Like, can you maybe because of I'm wondering if maybe like someone has powers that can like possibly rebuild that like what he was was taken away from him and possibly like rebuild that was a like mind block put up or was it completely wiped out of his brain like these are the questions that I have <laughs> so yeah I'm very worried about Hunt <laughs> well and then he's he's a newfound slave 
And so he can't do anything at this point. She comes home with a freaking army. Like, he doesn't know who she is. And he, all he knows is his allegiance is to the Asteri. <gasps> I'm so worried. Well, what questions do you have for me? I'd love to answer some. Okay, so having an outside perspective of someone who has not read any other series, what did you think of the very ending with her being in another world? I loved it because this reminds me of the fourth book in the Lost Heroes of Olympus or the Heroes of Olympus series, which was like Rick Riordan's second series to the Percy Jackson series. Mm -hmm. And that is the exact thing that happens to them is like they fall into... More so they don't go to a different world, but they fall into the pit of hell Mm -hmm. and they're like stuck there. They're in stuck with Hades. And like, that's how the book ends. Like this reminds me so much of that, where she is like almost in her own hell, where she like sees people that are very similar to the ones that she knows, but it's like, they don't know who the heck she is and she doesn't know how to get back. From an outside perspective, I think that I'm excited to see what happens next, but I'm a little thrown at if this is the same rune from like a different dimension, or if it's just like a a guy related to him, that's where I'm, I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so this is why I was like so excited because listen, I had spoiled this a little bit for myself. Maybe you haven't been told. This is the same resand from Akatar. This is the same group of people from the Akatar series. And so it is really, really exciting for me. And I'm surprised you haven't heard anything about it. When it comes to like, is he related to Reese? I have no clue or if any of that. But I was so excited when she was picked up and she was talking about like this soldier looking guy with a suit of armor. And he saw the sword, so, and he kind of like was a little weirded out by it. So that is Azriel. And then he brings her to what I imagine is Valaris in a different book. And he, and she is met by the inner circle. So if you read the other books, the inner circle is there. And the small, tiny, teeny, tiny one is Amarin. So Amarin is not from their world either. And that's why she knew the old tongue. So the only one who would else who would probably know the old tongue would be Resand. Okay. And that's why he kind of knew what she was saying as well. And so I was just freaking out when I saw everything. And then this, the small little blade that Azriel had, Truth Teller, I think. And so I guess they had the name for the sword as well. Although, like, as you know, like Bryce calls it a different name. I didn't know. I didn't know a lick of any of that because I I try to stay away from other other people on book talk for the most part, especially when reading a book like this, because I know that people are going to give it away. Well, good for you. <laughs> and so I wanted to like kind of stay my distance for the past like month or so while I'm reading it. But that is so exciting. I want the next one now i i i'm so mad for starting a series that isn't finished and i'm just (laughs) beside myself like wishing i had these books already it's gonna be years and i'm not gonna be able to finish the series i'm mad this is my theory so i think so she's going these books are going off of her houses that she that have four houses of midgard that she names in the first pages of each book i think the house of many waters so this is going to follow kind of therion's journey with the viper queen and kind of uncovering i think the viper queen is going to see this as a chance for her to like use the powerful people she has to try to like stage an uprising against Asteri and kind of take over as like the leader and i think that's what that book is going to be about and about bryce 
just hanging with the Akatar people. And then at the very end, she's going to be able to come back and then be like, boom, Hunt doesn't know who she is. Chaos. And then I think the House of Flame and Shadow is going to be like that big old like war scene. That is exactly what's going to go down. But for me, like this is one of those books that I am sad that I didn't have my brain wiped and I can't reread. I almost feel that way about like all of her series because people can say whatever they want. Like maybe she has some like repeating things that she says in her books or perhaps people just have a problem with her. I don't know. I love her stuff so much. And I think it's a real problem because she's ruined so many other authors. The way she develops her characters and I think just brings such a heart to them that, I mean, that's why she's so popular. It kills me that I will not have that feeling again. <laughs> and I mean, I will because I'll read her other stuff and then it's, it's going to be like, it's going to be like four years in the future. And we're just going to be like, Oh my God, guys, guess what? We have the, th- <laughs> we have the third Crescent city book. <laughs> Remember that when we did that? <laughs> we're going back. Yeah. We're going back. We'll do a recap. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm excited for it. I think that, I think she set it up so well. I like write little recaps after I finish each book. So I know kind of what the heck went on. And I wrote a little recap and I was like, reading this book felt like running a marathon. Like I am physically out of breath. I am tired. I am like drained emotionally and physically. (laughs) And now I'm like, where's the next one? But now I need you to read the Akatar series. It's the thing. So you know what's going on. I know. You're going to have to get like the audible (laughs) version and just like listen to it in the car. And just have it playing so it's not like something that you have to sit down and do. <laughs> I know. I have to. It makes me so sad. I'm so nostalgic with books. <laughs> but it's but it's almost like since this was like running a marathon, reading this freaking book, I feel like it's almost better that I have just a few, maybe even a year in between the two that I can like take a deep breath and get ready. <laughs> and that is kind of like the thing to do with these books is that once I finish reading them, I have to go tell the world because I just had such a reaction to them that I now want to share them with everyone and like see their reaction. I know. I'm the same way. I feel like I'm living vicariously through my boyfriend right now who I gave the first Crescent City book to. So (laughs) that's where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah. Now I guess our final ratings uh, for this book I gave it a 4.8 out of 5. The like little 0.2% was solely because I think it was a lot more dense. It took a little bit more brain power. I, at first I was like, I don't think this Emil storyline makes sense. But then as I kept thinking back to it, I was like, well, if they didn't do that, then this wouldn't have happened. And then this wouldn't have happened. And then this one, and then everything kind of pulled together. And I think that also the 0.2% is because I'm angry that I do have to wait another year. So that's why you get that off. So sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to give it a five out of five, but that's like should be expected. Mind you, like I'm telling you, I didn't give all of her books a five out of five, but these two, like for me, deserve it. I love it. Yeah. Thick, thick book. Yep. Full of beautiful, lovely stories. And yeah. the plot is so good. And I just cannot put it down. <laughs> so for me, it's a five out of five. No, I think as a book, it's a five out of five. I'm just get, I'm just docking her some points because she better just get this book out very soon. <laughs> I'm just angry. <laughs> 
I'm just leaving my boys out to dry. <laughs> I'm just saying, if we went from one book where there's so much freaking sexual tension, and then we go to a book where they're finally able to explore their sexual, like, their sexual relationship with each other, and then we're going to go to another book where he doesn't know who she is, and then they have to, like, be in this weird limbo where he, like, doesn't know who she is, and, she and like, she's absolutely in love with it. Oh, my God. I... I don't know if I can handle it. Or imagine he's her enemy. I'm I'm gonna die. If they have to fight against each other, like no. I'm sorry. No. Just just ah now. Like I just am done. I will be so angry. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. (laughs) Well, uh, let's let's get into our pairings before we get too too heated about this conversation. So why don't you give us your pairings? Okay. For a book. I did put The Witcher. I did start reading it not too long ago. It's more male-centered, obviously. I don't know. It's also a Netflix series. But it is a bit more male-centered. But I, it still has that like mystical element. For a TV show, I put Lucifer. It has to do with angels. So I liked that kind of aspect of it. But again, it kind of has that mystery-solving kind of detail, I guess. I mean, often cases in it's murder, but there's always like a, like larger plot going on. And I felt like the same with this book where like you thought it was really just like about finding meal. And then it kind of turned into like so much more for movie. I had a Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Again, that kind of had to do more with the vibe of being kind of like rebels and going against your government to try to make a better world for all the people around you. Mm -hmm. So that's what I put for the movie. And then my pairing for drink was like a citrus pomegranate sangria. Now I'm thinking like... That's a good one. Citrus, the little tart, you know, but the pomegranate... We're talking about hell here. So anytime I think of hell, I kind of think of Persephone and Hades, even though that's not the case in this. But I always give like that little bit of like, ooh, and it's like that dark red. It feels very dark in this. And okay, that was those are my berries. I love that. And I think that is the perfect choice. And now I don't really want to say mine because that was too good. (laughs) (laughs) So for my book, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the Heroes of Olympus series by Rick Riordan. It's kind of a tailing series on to the Percy Jackson series, specifically the House of Hades book, because that one kind of takes place in hell and kind of a dark thing. And like I said, the endings like match up perfectly because they both end up in this pit and they're like, how do we get out? And movie, I said Eternals. Oh. Because when I think of this book, I'm kind of thinking more along the lines of the Asteri and kind of who do I see as the Asteri. And in terms of the MCU, Mm -hmm. the Eternals are like the Asteri for everyone. Yes. Okay. I totally agree with that. Thank you. I felt good about that one. (laughs) And then then, uh, my TV show, uh, this is a wee bit of a stretch, but I'm going to, I'm going to stretch there. I said the Vampire Diaries. Okay. Because, (laughs) because I just feel like Elena and Bryce have a very similar characteristics. I think they're both kind of like, give you what you know, just kind of like big middle finger doing what we want. Like nobody mm-hmm. can tell me what to do, especially not a gay, like a, not a guy. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like they give off a very similar energy and I feel like Damon and Hunt are kind of very similar as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where I'm at. And then also I didn't write this down, but I feel like this also plays in, and this is also a very big stretch, but the good place, Okay. the end of season, I think it's two uh-huh. when, um, Chidi's mind has to be erased mm-hmm. and then they have have to like Eleanor and Chidi have to like find their way back to each other. I feel like that's kind of okay. gonna be 
the next storyline of the next book. So that specific storyline within a specific show. <laughs> That's also what I'm pairing. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And then I think um, my pairing would be this specific wine, like a specific bottle. It's called Parts and Labor. And it's like a Pinot, but it's a little bit more tart. Yeah. It's like a little bit sharper than a Pinot. It's not as like toned down. And that's what I think of because it's like a red wine. I feel like you kind of have to, like you said, with this book, you kind of have to have a red wine with the theme of hell and with like a little mm-hmm. bit darker. Yeah. And but you want that like sourness to it because I feel like all the characters are like very like spunky and very like sharp. And so I feel like you need to have that. I love it. Well, this is always so fun and I love talking about Sarah J Mass, so I can't wait until we can eventually talk about the third book of the series <laughs> I know <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you so so much for hopping on the show with me I always have a blast so thank you thanks for having me well that's the show thanks so much for listening if you liked it please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you're listening right now if you want more book related content you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. Again, that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Stay tuned because next Tuesday, Ella and I will be discussing The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel. It's going to be a great episode, so you won't want to miss it. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.